Hey, hey, and welcome back to uh, Roman Through Romans, Run of the Mills podcast. My name is Mike, and um, you probably already knew that. Anyway, we are uh, in chapter 10, and the last couple of days we spent on verse 2, and uh, not necessarily verse 2 in light of the context, but hey, let's uh, let's look at uh, this first section of chapter 10 and talk about what Paul is talking about. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. So that's kind of the, the, the jumping off point is, is his heart's desire for Israel is that they be saved. Um, and this is tied into chapter nine because the word Israel there isn't actually in the original language. It's my heart's desire and prayer to God for them and the them referring to Israel, which is, you know, what he was talking about in the previous chapter. Sometimes we lose that with the chapter divisions that were, you know, of course, added later. Um, so let's keep that in mind. He says, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So we've talked about that quite extensively. Um, the Jewish people had a zeal for God, but there was something missing. And that's what he's going to be talking about next. That knowledge that was missing, the zeal was not enough. He says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So he's saying, look, they were ignorant of, of what it takes to be right with God, to have uh, of God's righteous standards. Um, they were seeking to establish their own righteousness. And of course that was by the keeping of the law. And he says, um, you know, seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. And and this is a, a hugely important thing, this whole idea of submitting to God's way, of God's ways of doing things. And I, I think this is one of those things that is maybe uh, one of those uh, one of those points in the Christian life that when you get this, uh, it's it's uh, I'm trying to think of a good word. I was going to say devastating, but that's kind of the reverse. Um it's a it's a huge step. It's a breakthrough step when you understand, like, you know, I'm I'm submitting myself to God's way. You know, it's one thing to say I believe that the Bible is God's word. It's another to say I'm submitting myself, therefore, to what it says. It's one thing to say I believe that there's a God. It's a different thing to say I'm submitting to what that God says and what he what uh, the requirements that he lays out. Um, that kind of thing. And so it's one thing to say, I believe that, you know, I believe that uh, there's a God and I believe that we need to um, be righteous before him. Um, it's a different thing to say, I'm submitting to his way of, of righteousness rather than saying, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get there on my own. And so, so that's, that's an important thing. And I've seen this with a lot of people that they struggle unnecessarily with a lot of a lot of sin issues in their life because they've never submitted to that to that point where they just say, "Hey, this is what God's word said, so therefore that's what I'm going to do." And so a lot of times they end up getting in these spots where they're they're hemming and hawing and back and forthing and having this internal internal argument about whether or not they're going to do something that the Bible clearly says not to do. And so rather than just saying, "Oh, the Bible says not to do that, so I don't do that." They again, they they justify, they, they go back and forth and they argue with themselves and, and they start, you know, anytime you start arguing with yourself over sin, you, you're in a dangerous spot because then it starts getting to that point of, 
well, you know, is it that big of a deal? Is it, you know, maybe in the long run, it's helpful. You know, I had a conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago uh, about that kind of thing. Well, I, you know, I, I do this thing, which is wrong, but it keeps me from doing a worse thing. Uh, you know, that justification of, of sin. Um, we have to be careful about that. So anyway, uh, let's read that again. For they, that's the Jews, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So first of all, let's get this straight. Uh, he's not saying that he ended the law, but what he's saying is that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The way to be right with God is not through the law. Um, through It's through Christ. Um, and so if you are trying to get to Jesus or to be made right with him by keeping the rules and the righteous standards of the law, well, Christ brought an end to that. And he's going to now support that with Old Testament stuff, because that's how Paul rolls. Remember, he's a former Pharisee. He is an expert on the law, the Old Testament, as we would call it, uh, the scripture. Um, and so anytime he's bringing up something that he would expect you as a listener to say like, wait, that's that's not what I've always been told. That's not what I've always been taught. He's going to go back and say, look, no, this is what the Bible teaches. This is what the scripture says. And so he's going to go back and kind of give us a review of some things we talked about back in chapter four. And I'm sure you remember, as we've done many, many a review, that Romans chapter four is talking about a righteousness apart from the law, that there is a righteousness apart from the law. And he talked about um, Abraham. And so um, he's going to talk about what, wrote, what Moses wrote in uh, Leviticus 18. So it says this, For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things, or does those things rather, the man who does those things shall live by them. So that was how it worked. If you were, gonna, if you were going to um, be righteous, by the law, by the legal standard of the law, you had to do all of it. You had to keep all of it. It's uh, you'll notice that it's it's one of those things where it's not like, well, uh, you know, I if I was to say like I never break the the I've I never break the law um, traffic laws. I've never been pulled over for by the cops. Well, those are two different things. One thing I've never been pulled over by the cops is different from I've never broken any traffic laws. And so I could say, like, I've never broken any traffic laws because I've never been pulled over by the cops. And that would be uh, incorrect. Um, you know, have you ever broken, you know, have you ever broken the, the, the law? Well, yeah, I've driven faster than 55. So I think I'm guilty of breaking that the traffic law. And so the idea here is that he's pointing out is like, look, God's God's standard is perfection. That's the, that's the righteousness that comes from the law. And so he is going to differentiate or compare that now to righteousness that comes apart from the law. So verse six, he says, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is bring Christ down from above or who will ascend or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That 
if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God rose him, uh, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So let, let, even though this this goes for a few more verses down, let's let's just stop there and uh, talk about that a little bit. So what he's saying is, is there's this different righteousness. It's not like he says, and he gives kind of a strange example. And and sometimes the, there's this thing that they do in the Bible um, that we don't do so much anymore. And that's give the bad example to be the good example, um, to give the, the, uh, the, the, is it, that would be the inverse, uh, <laughs> the opposite um, example. And so he says, he's talking about this righteousness of faith. You know, it, it's not it's not like you have to ascend to heaven or descend into hell to bring Christ up. It, it's, you know, they're these crazy extremes. Um, no, it's, it's not that at all. He says, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so it's this, this faith. That's the righteousness apart from the law. It's this, uh, this faith in what Christ has done. And so we talk about confession in the Bible. Again, it's one of those words that sometimes is confused because of uh, the way it's been used in religious language to mean like confessing your sin, like confessing to uh, a priest or something. But the idea of confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, it's, it, it's meaning becoming or being in agreement that Jesus is kurios, that he is Lord, that he is God, supreme divine ruler, uh, a, a word that was often used in Roman times for the emperor of Rome, but it's saying like, no, no, sorry. You know, Caesar's not curious. That's Jesus is my Lord. He is the one. Um, and I, you know, I, I am confessing it with my mouth that he's the Lord. Cause, and again, so sometimes I think this people confuse some of these things and they, they, they miss the, uh, the cultural understanding that this was something that you'd be expected to confess uh, as a as a Roman citizen that Caesar is you know Caesar is Lord but he's saying no Jesus is Lord believe that in your heart that that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved and so again it's this this point that he says for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made into salvation for the scripture says whoever believes in him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so this was his original point. Remember from back in Romans chapter one, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for his power of salvation for all who believe first to the Jew and then to the Greek. It's power of salvation for all who believe. That is the key point that he's making here. This righteousness of faith rather than a righteousness that comes from the law. And um, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that next time. Catch you then.